are in our second week of our series called Revival. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read, we're going to read the scripture into the message here a little bit, but I'm going to begin the message and then bring the scripture in. I want to try to set the scene to help us grasp the message for what it meant in its time to its people, and that then we can understand how we can bring it into our world today. And so we're going to begin and review revival. This word revival, you may remember from camp meetings of old or stories of people traveling out and spending days singing songs and hearing sermons and experiencing an awakening of sorts. And revival means to be restored to life, to consciousness. Revival means to be awakened from a sleepy state. And that's what we want. And so to begin, I'm going to talk about a word, a Hebrew word, and it's up on the screen. You can see it. There's some Hebrew letters. It's three letters you read from right to left. And instead of trying to get you to memorize what those letters are called, we're just, I'll just tell you that if we wrote it in English, it would be E-V-D. And then you would say it, Evid. Evid. So everyone say Evid. Yes, Evid. It'd be your word. You're going to hear that a lot today. Evid can be defined in the Hebrew Scripture. It's used 327 times. And it's defined as labor, work, or serve. Labor, work, serve. Evid. 327 times it's used. And we find it in Exodus 1. And in Exodus, it's this great story of when Israel was let out of Egypt. Exodus means a way out. And God gave the enslaved Israelites a way out and into freedom. And so in Exodus 1, as the scene is being set, they describe the Egyptians having enslaved the Israelites. And we find our word evid as the base for this enslaved, forced work, forced labor, labor, servitude. The Egyptians made their lives miserable, it goes on to say, with hard labor, evid. And we find evid again and again in Exodus because there's a theme happening. In Exodus 3, it's used again, and let me read the translation and tell me if you can pick out where the word evid is. The Lord tells Moses this, quote, I'll be with you, and this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here to this place of the burning bush on the mountain, and here you will worship God. So the Lord's calling Moses at this famous scene, and Evid was in that reading. Did you hear it? I'll be with you. This will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. The other translation for Evid is worship. Worship. The same root as serve. Now, in some levels, this makes sense. But you can see how it's being distorted. In Egypt... To be in service is to be enslaved, oppressed, on the wrong end. But with God, when you serve God, it becomes a worship that brings life. And so we hear Evid, just in these small passages from the first few chapters of Exodus, enslaved, labor, and worship. Evid, Evid means labor, work, or serve, or worship. All right, you with me on the word? God is going to give Israel a new identity, a new purpose for life. That's the story. Leads them out to bring them into covenant and to make them God's people. And they will no longer be forced 
to Evid unjustly or oppressively. They won't be serving as slaves. Instead, they'll be serving in a way that brings them to life. The service that God calls us into is much different than the Egypt's. They're going to be taught to serve as a way to come to life. They will be revived as a people. The people think their lives, because, well, they think their lives are as enslaved, hard laborers whose value and worth is determined by what they produce. And in Egypt, it was bricks. Their worth is determined by how many bricks they make when they work seven days a week producing bricks. God then brings them out and brings them into a new service and actually commands them in the Ten Commandments, number four, the same list where it says don't kill anybody. Above that on the list is this commandment to have a day of Sabbath, a day off, to know that your worth is not determined by what you produce in an act of service with God. When you serve God, your worth is not determined by what you produce. God is going to revive them back to full humanity and to understand that by serving God, they experience joy and love, which leads them to experience life to the fullest, or as we often hear the phrase, full life expressed, eternal life. They wander the wilderness for 40 years trying to truly leave Egypt behind because they left physically through the sea and out into the on, out into the desert, into the mountain, the wilderness. They, they left it physically, but it took them a long time to leave mentally, spiritually, and emotionally so that they could truly evid and live as they were always meant to. They eventually get there. They learn how to serve and worship God and, and live in this evid way of revival. But then we go just some generations later and, and life has gotten really good for them. Very good. And they forgot their story of where they came from. We touched upon last week. Generations passed until all they remember is their lavished life, not the life from which they came. And they begin to compartmentalize their evid on their own terms. They'll worship God on certain days at certain times and in certain ways that fit their needs. Now, we know they were redeemed to be the people through whom God would bring all truth and grace and justice and life upon all the earth. That was their purpose, but they had forgotten. They would evid God in the temple on certain days, in certain ways, but then they would evid themselves in their egocentric and egotistical religious political systems the rest of the time. It got so bad that in the height of their glory under Solomon, a few verses later, the indictment comes if you're paying attention when it says that Solomon used conscripted laborers to build the temple. Solomon used slaves to build the temple. Solomon evided people into servitude to build the place which they would go to evid. They had become Egypt's themselves. So far away they got. And a lot more happened, but they're still struggling with this. Isaiah was sent to wake them up and to revive them once more. So we're going to hear the word from Isaiah, and I want you to pay attention that the first two lines say, shout loudly, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, and know that trumpets were used 
for war. So when a trumpet blasts, it is a serious matter. God is instructing Isaiah to be rather serious in this effort to wake them up. And so we read from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their crime, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day, desiring knowledge of my ways, like a nation that acted righteously, that didn't abandon their God. They ask me for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl, and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't fast as you were doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. This is the kind of fast I choose, a day of self-affliction, of bending one's head like a reed, and of lying down in mourning, clothing, and ashes. Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them and not hiding from your own family? Then your light will break out like the dawn and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness, and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you, even in parched places. He will rescue your bones. He will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations past, you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls, restorer of livable streets. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The people evid, but they're not truly worshiping God. They fast from food, but they continue to live in a way of egocentrism, just seeing things from their perspective. They put on a show so that they can remain blessed. It's really all for them, you see. Now, Jesus will confront some religious leaders of his day and tell them they're like whitewashed tombs, these legal experts these Bible scholars, these Pharisees. You do everything right on the outside. You look good in your ritual, but on the inside, you're dead. You're insincere. Isaiah brings the truth as Jesus later echoes, God is not captivated by our ability to perform ritual. Israel cannot fool God. God did not bless them so that they might learn how to perfect rituals. God blessed them so that they might evid God by extending that blessing to others because that is what evid is. 
God was the refuge for Israel who was in need in Egypt, and Israel now freed is to be the refuge for those who are in need, because that is what God seeks to see for all the world. Healing, salvation, restoration, repair. They struggled to maintain their heading. They struggled to remember their past and how much God had done for them. Now we get caught up in our egocentrism to the point where we even confuse ourselves as gods just as they did. We only see it from our perspective until we think that is the only perspective and others should just lay down their lives and see things as we see them. We think we can judge between good and evil. We can condemn. We think that we're worthy of evid to be served. Sometimes we can forget what all of this is about in the first place. All of creation, all of life, all of our faith. I don't think it's just me, but I forget. Sometimes I'm just here for myself, and maybe you're with me on that. We're just here for ourselves. Maybe so we can have a blessed and happy life. Who doesn't want that? Maybe we just want success, or maybe we just want good health, or maybe we just look at things in whatever way it takes so that we can just make sure we go to heaven after we die. And the truth is, friends, that none of those things are an evid to or for God. That's self-seeking. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to be blessed. We want what we want, and we live accordingly. The truth is, to be revived, we have to take our inventory of our own lives. And why wouldn't we want to do that? I know it's hard. I know it's, it's not something we dance for joy when we think of, because we all know we've fallen short. But there are three, three possible outcomes that come from taking inventory. One is that we see how good we're really doing, and then we're just confirmed and affirmed, and we find ourselves full of joy to just carry on. That's Possibility one. Possibilities two is that we see everything that's going on in our lives and we see what we need to do differently and we awaken to that. And then we get on a new path. And that's a good thing because it's going to lead us to life. Or three is we look at our lives and we become so entrenched in our egocentrism that we think that what we're doing is right when in fact it's not. And we find ourselves led further astray. If we want to be awakened, we only need the Spirit. And the Spirit is ever ready to awaken us. Now, if we look around, you know, we've been celebrating the Scouts today, and the Scouts are wonderful because the Scouts are all about service. They're all about evid in the most wonderful way because they look at what needs to happen in the world and they do it. They do it. The Scouts address what needs to be addressed. And Scouts, I know that when you take your uniforms off, you're still Scouts, right? You're Scouts all the time. You're always looking to serve wherever you are. You've made your life in this pattern of good service, and you want to devote your life to being a good citizen, and that's wonderful. And we as Christians, we want to be in this kind of service. We want to give our hearts and souls to God alone and make our lives about God's evid and service. I mean, we only want to give ourselves to one kingdom, yes, we only want to evid God, no other kingdom. It's God's reign and rule over our lives and the lives of everyone and all of creation that we want. That should be our sole focus. We know that God is not a slave driver. 
God is not a Pharaoh of Egypt. God desires for us to evid because this is what brings us fullness of life. And the truth, friends, and I want you to hear me when I say this, is God loves you deeply. 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 We need to know that. And we need to understand that God loves everyone deeply. We need to know that God loves all creation deeply. That's why we're here in the first place. The reason that any of this was ever created from the beginning is because God is love, and out of love, God created. And God seeks to keep creating now to establish the heavenly reality on this earth so that everyone is cared for properly. Those who have are to take care of those who have not. Living into this kind of kingdom living is true worship and serving and evid. And only when we do this, only when we evid in this way can God regard our ritualistic worship and service and evid as sincere and acceptable. The truth is we can't, we can't thank God for blessing us while we hoard it and refuse to allow God to work blessing through us. Do we think that God is a, is a limited supply of blessing or do we believe God is an infinite supply of blessing? And if we truly believe God is an infinite supply, then why would we ever seek to be a clog in the flow of God's blessing coming through us and to everyone else? That what we have, we can give, that we can restore those who need. Because when we become a clog and we begin to hoard, we're not worshiping God anymore. We're worshiping ourselves, Friends, do you want to be blessed? I'm asking you. Do you want to be blessed? Raise your hand if you want to be blessed. Yeah, everyone. And that's good. We want to be blessed. And God wants to bless you. So evid God and say yes to God who revives us into life through the Holy Spirit who desperately wants to enter into your life, your everyday life of living to bring growth into your soul and to bring you alive and revived. God wants to bless you, to change your way of seeing yourself, which will bless you. God wants to change your way of seeing God, which will bless you. God wants to change the way that you see other people, which will be a blessing to you. God wants to change your relationships to bring blessing upon you so that you can be a source of blessing for all of those around you and they can be a source for you and this life becomes something entirely different. The life we are invited to live is not one of a one day a week worship. And if Sunday worship is all you can give right now, God will take it, but God wants to invite you to be a part of something much bigger. Sunday worship is amazing. I love it. And it's wonderful and it's good, but only if it's sincere and a part of our worship that happens every moment of our life. We come here to this place to be reminded of our bigger calling, 
our bigger reality that's well beyond ourselves, that's well beyond our individual lives, well beyond our family. We're reminded of the deeper connection that we have with God and every other human being, our more universal calling to care for all people, no matter what earthly kingdoms they belong to. We come here to remember, and this, is, this maybe sounds bold to you, but it's truth. We come here to remember our identity as the body of Jesus Christ because that's who we are. Amen? We come here to embody the kingdom of God on earth right here and now. And when we gather together as one body, as God's children with sincere, evid as our bond and our identity, friends, in this place at this time, we become the kingdom of God. We become a reality of hope, a temple of God's presence and reign, this space becomes a sanctuary for those who are lost, for those who are hungry and homeless, for those who are hurting and addicted, for those who are abused, for those who are degraded, for those of us who are labeled and condemned for simply being who we are, trying to figure it out, just like the rest of us. This space becomes the kingdom of God when we worship God. We become God's people. Our worship becomes a celebration of God's goodness and blessing and our commitment to opening the floodgates into our community of God's goodness and love because our community is in need, friends. And when we do this right, we embody what Jesus came to do because we are the body of Jesus Christ. When he said, we will become good news for the poor, we become release to the captive. We become a place where our ability to see each other and our world, our blindness, is restored. We become true freedom for the oppressed. We come here to worship, to allow all of this reminder and remembering and reality to change us, to move us toward a deeper understanding and, and deeper into God's life and wisdom and truth and love and grace. And if you come on Sundays just to do your duty, I mean, it's good, but you're never going to grow. Come here on Sundays to evid God as one body and kingdom. Don't just worship. Don't just show up and then go home. Don't just come in here to worship and then judge and deem whether the elements of the worship service were worthy of your time and energy. And if that's where you are, friends, I'm so glad you're here. But I hope you take a step further. We want to have it on Sundays so we can remember that worship is a way of life. It's the way to life in its fullest each and every day. So friends, say yes to Evid every single day with the goal of seeking God's will to remember who we were and who we are. And with that reminder, let us seek to be immersed in the Holy Spirit who ignites our hearts with the spirit of true evid so that we can hear the call of God through Isaiah to right worship of removing the yoke of twisted evid from among us, from among our world, that we can stop pointing fingers. Or maybe it's we can stop making hateful posts on Facebook, that we can stop speaking with pride and arrogance and vengeance, that we can begin to be a blessing for the hungry in our community, the sick in our community, and the vulnerable in our community. Evid is our true calling as human beings, a people of unceasing worship is our identity. We are sisters and brothers, and we are children of God, 
and disciples of Jesus Christ. And let us hear this truth as we turn to our Matthew passage, as we hear Jesus' words through this avid perspective. Chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things you all do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you all very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor even the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes a reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness, unless your evid, is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.